but I heard it on the radio, so I thought maybe it isn't so old. Uh, for bear, other translations say bearing with or gentleness. So I just wanted to clarify that before I got going here. Since I last preached, there are three things from the Bible that particularly have been impressed on me. First, ultimately God punishes sin, and he does so severely. Last week, Pastor Eric said, sin is serious, you can't brush it aside. So true. The second thing is, God put a hedge of protection around Job, and he does that to some extent for everybody. And third, we believers are to forbear one another. There are some pretty odd Christians out there, and some irritating ones. Someone has said, in God's zoo there are many strange animals. <laughs> Yet we are to forbear one another. This sermon is called Fearing God, Forbearing One Another. Fearing God, Forbearing One Another. My co-worker and I were traveling to a spot, and I shared with him that God created man who sinned, separating himself from God. God then did everything he could to win man back into a relationship with himself. But many would not return, and those he will punish with a fiery hell for eternity. Sounds cruel, my companion said. Not the response I was looking for, and I thought I wasn't very diplomatic, should have spent more time on everything he could do part. First, I, I wondered if I had it right, but my devotions arrived at Matthew 13, the parable of the wheat and the weeds. Let growth grow together until the harvest, and at harvest time I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. A few days later, I got to the <coughs> The next passage in uh, Matthew 13, 47 through 50, the parable of the net. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net which was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into vessels, but threw away the bad. So it will be at the close of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the furnace of fire. There men will weep and gnash their teeth. Thus, it was confirmed that what I said was right. Unbelievers end up in fire. Is God cruel to punish sin? The first answer is, who are we to question or judge God? Job was asked by God, who is this that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? And shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? And will you even put me to the in the wrong? Will you condemn me that you may be justified? Consider Isaiah 45, 9 and 10. Woe to him who strives with his maker, an earthen vessel with a potter. Does the clay say to him who fashions it, What are you making? Or your work has no handles? Woe to him who says to a father, What are you begetting? And to a mother, With what are you in travail? How inappropriate to say to a father, what are you beginning? Or to a mother, with what are you in travail? How inappropriate to say 
for the clay to dictate to the potter how he should be made. Is God cruel to punish them? The first answer is, who are you to question your creator? The second answer is, here's what God is like. Yes, he punishes sin, but in addition, he is loving and forgiving and cares for all his creation. Do any of you have problems getting to sleep? When I have that problem, I often quote verses and passages I know well so as to draw near to God and resist the devil's interference with sleep. One of those passages where Moses humbly asked to see God's glory and God agreed to it is uh, in Exodus 34, 6 and 7. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, the God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and the children's children to the third and fourth generation. So in these verses you have the forgiven and the guilty. What makes the difference? This fall in Sunday school I found the answer. The words of these verses are largely re repeated in the second of the Ten Commandments, both in Exodus and Deuteronomy. You shall not make for yourself a graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. So we see that the forgiven are those who love God, and the guilty are those who hate God. Is God cruel to punish sin? No, he is holy and just. Cruel is another word for unjust. He will not compromise his holiness. When Aaron's sons, Nadab and, Ab and uh, Abihu, offered their own concoction instead of the prescribed form of incense in the presence of the Lord, fire came out from the Lord and consumed them. No doubt it was pleasing incense, some of the best man could make. But with it, there was the element of disobedience. They were saying, our way, not yours. We can improve on your recipe. But God insists on being Lord. That is what he is. And it is for our good that we acknowledge that. He is not overbearing. He is glorious and almighty and overall. And he is holy. When the Philistines returned the ark to the city of Judah, Beth Shemesh, 70 of the men in that town were struck down because they looked into the ark. Later, when David sought to bring the ark to Jerusalem, Uzzah grabbed the ark to steady it when the oxen stumbled, and God struck him down on the spot. That made David angry. He must have thought God was cruel to punish evil, to punish sin. But he also became afraid of God. Three months later, he brought the, the ark to Jerusalem in the way God prescribed, carried by its two poles and covered with a veil, goatskin, and a blue cloth, 
like in the numbers four, five, and six. So we see that God is not cruel or unjust to punish sin. He is the Almighty who is loving and forgiving, but does not compromise his holiness, even if he could. God's love is shown in the protection he gave Job, Job's hedge. Satan complains to God, Does Job fear God for naught? Hast thou not put a hedge about him and his house and all that he has on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. I submit that to some extent, God has put a hedge around every person on earth. To the believer, he says, He will not permit you to be tempted beyond your strength, but with the temptation will also provide a way of escape. And in Psalms, Psalms it says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Also, in addition to this, he, he loves and provides for everybody, not just believers. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. For he makes his sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust. You therefore must be perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Notice we are to be kind and merciful, just like our heavenly Father is. Jonah didn't want to preach to those pagans in Nineveh, who he hated. What if they responded, repented, and God had mercy on them? God convinced Jonah to go, but he didn't like, like it that they did repent and didn't get judged. Job was miffed, but God told him, And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons do you, do not, who do not know their right hand from their left? and also much cattle. God showed his mercy even for pagans. <clears throat> My friend Dan Eisenhuth was back by the sound booth when he asked me, why should I have God in my life when I've gotten along without him all these years? I corrected him, you have not gotten along without him. He has been, been with you, helping you every step of the way. How awful to be without God's mercy and protection and provision. Yet that is what will happen to those who refuse to allow him in their life. Second Thessalonians 1.9 says they shall suffer the punishment of eternal destruction and exclusion from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. That is not what God desires for us. Listen, the Lord is not... And the Lord is not slow about his promise, as some count slowness, but is forbearing toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. As we have been encouraged to be sons of our Father, showing love and mercy to our enemies, so are we are urged to be forbearing and forgiving to one another, just as he is. Paul exhorts us in Colossians 3.13, practice for bearing one another and if one has a complaint against another, another forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you 
so you also must forgive. How much has the Lord forgiven us? To the point that it cost him his son's life. How much will it cost us to forgive? Not that much. My friend Dan worked a lot with me in the concession stand. Occasionally I would get angry with him for messing up and let him have it. Later I would apologize for overdoing it. But he would brush it off saying, Don't worry about it. We're family. I was amazed at his ability to prepare and forgive because he considered us as family. We at Cornerstone are brothers and sisters of one family and need to treat each other as such. We are also family to all believers. When I was in my late 20s, continuing my training as a Christian disciple, I went to Mexico on a mission trip. Our team went to a south, town south of Cuernavaca where I met Brother Solis, a vegetable seller. Brother Carlos had borrowed some money from Solis and didn't pay it back on time, and it was causing some friction between them. The pastor of our assigned church learned about the division, and in the evening service he called them forward to forgive and reconcile. Carlos came forward smiling, and Solis came up somewhat reluctantly. They shook hands in front of the church. After the service, I found out what it was all about. It didn't seem right to me. And I told Solis, Lo siento, I'm sorry. Let me tell you a little more about Brother Solis. One day he took me with him on his flatbed three-wheeler with vegetables from his oversized store. At the intersection of several paths between the small fields, he stopped and yelled, Chiles, papas, tomates. People came and purchased their fresh gro groceries. On another day, we met his wife, Rita, walking and holding her seven-year-old boy by his hand and bawling her head off. Solis had sent her to take her boy, not his, away to her family's house because he couldn't afford to raise him. Solis wasn't rich. There are other issues in this story, but I want to focus on what the pastor did <coughs> between these two men. Was it right? For a long time, I thought it wasn't. But now I've come to the conclusion it was the right thing to do. Unity in the church is something the Lord is very concerned about. We are all called upon to grow into being more and more like Christ. In Philippians 1.27, we are called upon to stand firm in one spirit. Ephesians 4.3 calls upon us to maintain the, university, the, the, the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. 1 Corinthians 6 deals with lawsuits between Christians. Not acceptable, Paul says. Saints should not be going to the world for such things as lawsuits. To have lawsuits at all with one another's defeat for you, why not suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Well, the church in Mexico and these brothers had their imperfections. The pastor was right to call for unity in the church. Solis should be willing to be defrauded for the sake of unity and because they are family. Carlos should humbly accept this forgiveness as a gift, not as a gain, because he belongs to the family. 
Jesus told us to lend, hoping for nothing again. One Christian teacher says we should never lend what we cannot get along without. And if we can get along without it, we should just give it to them and avoid any of these problems. In Philippians 4 or 5, forbearance is also urged upon us. We went over this in Sunday school this morning. Uh, here's what my, my version says. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. Preceded by rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say we'll rejoice. Let all men know your forbearance. The Lord is at hand. How will all men know your forbearance? But the, by the way we practice it. Time after time after time. Remember, the Lord is at hand. He can help. The famous missionary to India, Amy Carmichael, prayed, Your patience, Lord. She had run out, run out of her own. Now she needed his. She knew the Lord was at hand. In conclusion, fear God and forbear one another. The Lord's holiness and justice, love and forgiveness, protection and forbearance, all motivate us to be like him, forbearing and forgiving those in our church family as well as outsiders. Let your forbearance be known to all. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Maybe you are among those who have not yet received the gift of forgiveness from the Lord. That's where I was in high school. I knew Jesus had died for my sins, that he had been raised from the dead to give us hope for a life after death. I knew I had to accept him into my heart and let him be in charge of my life. But I thought, I want to be in charge of my own life. That didn't seem to go anywhere, so I decided to clean up my life so I could accept him into my heart. But somehow that clean-up incense was not acceptable to God. It wasn't until my first year in college I came to the point where I gave up on my efforts to be good enough to accept him and just desired him to come in and forgive me and take over. And he came in and he gave me peace from the, from the fighting I was doing with him. That peace has remained me, with me to this day, praise the Lord, and what blessings he has given me in the 57 years of being his child. Do not miss the opportunity to receive his forgiveness and promise of eternal life. Let his wisdom guide you through life and you will be blessed. Repent of your sins, ask his forgiveness and follow him. Pastor Eric or Dan Johnson or I would be happy to pray with you after the service. Just ask. Now let us close in prayer. Lord, we bow before you in fear of your unflinching holiness, thankful for your provision for the righteousness of Christ with which we are clothed so that we may enter your presence. You have cared for us and protected us as your creation and as your children. Thank you. Grant that we may be of one heart and one mind through the indwelling of your spirit and love of the brethren so as to be forbearing toward each other's differences and please you in what we do. Your name be praised.